0: you to Lindsay Burnett. If you haven't met her before, she's our guest worship leader this morning. She is a senior at Southeastern University in Lakeland, and we are honored to have her with us this morning. Please stand as we begin our worship together.
1: who brings our chaos back into order who makes the orphan a son and daughter the king of glory the king of glory who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings
0: But there's something very obvious going on around here. That big old tarp is such a sign and a picture of what God is doing at First Prez. So they busted through that wall this week. They've made a hallway. Raise your hand if you follow First Pres on Instagram or Facebook and you saw Fitz sneaking around in there this week. If you don't follow us, the our um, tag is First Pres Tampa spelled out be sure to go back and watch that. It is so exciting and funny to watch Fitz walking around in there. You get a sneak peek into the sanctuary. You get to see our lobby. And it's just, man, it's so amazing to see what God is doing and to know that in just a couple months from now, we're going to be in that room worshiping. And so, yeah, we've got a little dust. We've got a little chaos going on around here, but it's all an excitement of what is to come. And I think about the fact that we really are at this crossroads, at this big moment in the life of our church, and that what a joy that we get to be a part of it, that we're here, that we're the generation, the people, the year that God chose to do this exciting thing. And so on Sunday mornings, we get to come in here and we get to have our hearts and our minds righted. We get a right view of who we are and we get a right view of who God is. We're reminded that God is sovereign, that God is in control and I am not in control. We get reminded that God knows all things and that I do not know all things. We get reminded that God is all powerful and I am not all powerful. See, in this moment, we get to present our hearts to God and say, oh my gosh, God, you know everything. You love me. You know me best, you're in control, and I just get to turn my hearts and my thoughts over to you in worship for this next hour. So welcome. I'm so glad that y'all are here. If you're new, we would love to meet you. We have a Connect card, a paper card that you can fill out, or you can scan the QR code. Jump into this family of faith at this crossroads. There's no more exciting time than right now that we would love to meet you and just scoop you up and welcome you in. So I hope that you'll do it and then the next thing i want to tell you about is that one week from today is our second annual trunk retreat we are so excited for this we are going to yeah clap it up for that thank you this is going to be so much fun we need 19 more trunks to make this a successful event we're going to fill this parking lot with cars where trunks are decorated and that kids can go from trunk to trunk Y'all God placed us right here in this neighborhood. What a great way to serve this community. What a great way to serve the city of Tampa to invite people in to be a part of this. And so maybe you're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I am not creative. I cannot decorate a trunk. They have Pre-made trunk kits at Target that you can buy, or on Amazon that you can order. You pick your theme. You got a family who loves Paw Patrol? Boom! Paw Patrol car decorated, all for you. It's so easy. My family, we're gonna dress up with M&M shirts and just put some construction paper that says M&Ms because I'm not very creative. But it's gonna be awesome. And we need 19 more of you to sign up and do this. So thank you in advance for being one of those 19. And then we also want to let you know that we're gonna make your life so easy that night. We're gonna have dinner on site you can pre-order your meal it's going to be made by the women from created this is a work opportunity for them it is a ministry that we are going to be serving them these are women who have been rescued out of trafficking and they are now chefs and so we want to honor them and serve them by ordering their delicious dinner you will not want to miss it so next sunday trunk or treat let's make it happen thank you Oh, I'm going to pray, too. It's not Kathy's turn. Okay, let me, let me pray for us, and then Kathy will come up. God, I am. I am just humbled when I'm here on Sunday mornings, Jesus, that I'm just reminded of who you are and who I am not. That, God, it is such a joy and an honor and humbling to serve you and to love you. That, God, despite your bigness, despite how mighty and powerful and awesome you are, that you love me. That you know me. And that's true of all of us here in this room this morning. So, Jesus, I pray that we might direct our hearts and our minds towards you in joy and in gratitude and response that we have been loved first by you. God, this morning, as we think about this crossroads, that you chose us such a time as this for this exciting building. God, thank you that we get to be a part of it, that we get to see you literally in action. Building this building to reach a community, Jesus, to know you. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. And God, in celebration, we also thank you for the birth of Levi Abbott, God, grandson of Joanne Strober, nephew of Jessica Strober, son of Emily. God, thank you for this gift of life for this sweet family, and we just celebrate alongside
2: them. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you. Good morning. My college friends love knowing that their First Press family not only cares about them, but continues to invest in them. That's why I'm so excited for you to hear from Nick Lee this morning. Nick grew up in this church, and he's now a junior at the University of Georgia. So we're going to hear from him live Not really live, but sort of, sort of live. From Athens, right now.
3: I'm Nick Lee and I'm a junior at the University of Georgia and I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about my growing relationship with God and some of the struggles I've endured in college. So during the beginning of college, I think I fell into this path of do this assignment, do that assignment, study for this test, the next test, and just became pretty linear for me and Thing goes for most people where they're either stressing about, am I gonna get this job? Do I even wanna do this or that? Am I gonna get this interview, this internship, get into med school, just anything that's going on with them really. But it really can consume you and it's a lot of stress that can become overwhelming. And the number one thing for me that I just realized is that it can sway you away from your faith and it becomes the one thing you're putting in front of God and recently I've started to reach out to him started praying more going to church just gathering with a bunch of my friends and my friend just got baptized it was an awesome experience so and all of that has just really been teaching me that School is important and everything else really can help, but it's nowhere near the most important thing in my life or really anyone else's, it's Jesus. And I think from that, I've just learned that you guys, we're all loved and he is the number one supporter that can back you and get you through it. So I just wanted to say thank you guys to my First Press family. And I know you guys are all praying and loving and supporting us and just want to say thank you for our investment in us. And I know you guys have a lot, of go- lot going on, probably more than what we got going on. So I'm praying <laughs> for y'all too. And I really hope that, see you guys soon. Go dogs!
2: <laughs> I love it. Chanley, I know you're proud of your son. Don't you love it that Nick is discovering that although school is very important, that the most important thing in his life is his growing relationship with Jesus. And I especially love it that he challenged us to realize the same thing, and that he promised to pray for us. Now, Nick doesn't know it yet, but we are going to send Nick and all of our college students a First Pres care package. This is going to be just a sign, a reminder that we are cheering them on in life and faith with our love and our prayers. So that's why we want all of you parents and relatives to grab one of these sheets in the back of the room on the back little, right behind Baxter as he's waving his hand on that ledge. There are plenty of them. Would you fill it out? We don't want your son, your daughter, your grandson or granddaughter to miss out on this. Nick thanked you for investing in him because God is using you in more ways than you can imagine to encourage Nick and all of our college friends every time you give. It's real. God is using you in a powerful way and he knows it.
1: amen we want to invite you to stand again as we go into this next song lord jesus we love you jesus we are here for you because you are the king of the whole all of heaven and all of earth jesus we praise you this morning and we give everything every good gift back to you because you are good fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song, and let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song, and you are good, you're good, oh, you are good good, oh, you are good, you're good all the time, yes, you are, you are good, you're good, oh, oh, oh. let the King of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves, oh, yes, song. And let the King of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days, oh, He is my song. And let the King of my heart be the wind inside my sins, the anchor in the waves, oh, He The king of my heart, be the fire inside my veins. gonna let me down. No. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. I'm confident that you're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down, You're never gonna let. you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down Oh, you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down Oh
4: So here we are moving forward. That's what's happening. McLean used a metaphor of a crossroads, and we're at one, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through that crossroad, and we're going forward. It's a way for us to think about what's happening around us and think about our vision, our mission, our DNA, and that's what we're going to do for the next four or five or six Sundays. We're going to kick that kind of stuff around. We're going to talk about what's going on with all of this, and more importantly, what's going on inside of us. It's why you saw the text floating across the top of the bumper video, and that's the text we're going to take a good look at this morning. And I'm going to begin, if I could, by talking about my favorite subject, which of course is me. <laughs> and I, you guys that are online, I know you can't tell what's going on in the room, but trust me, when you come and visit, or if you're, in, if you're away, not in town, or if you're in town when you come by, you're going to love what you're seeing as everybody in the room is here today. My favorite, my favorite subject is me, and one of my favorite me subjects is surfing. I grew up on a surfboard in St. Augustine. And the surfing thing is sort of like this. This is what happens when you're surfing. This is what I would do. The surf, the waves break better in certain spots, probably because of currents going through, uh, pulling in sandbars and what have you. So at the San Augustine Beach Pier, there were were sandbars that seemed to be there because of the, the pier columns, right? So if there was a Northeaster, the, way the, the wind and stuff is coming from the northeast and coming southwest as a direction, and so the, the current would be pulling from north to south, and the waves would be breaking about 200 yards from the pier south, and that's where the waves would break. A little further south, it's just a washing machine, but the, they'd line up because of the sandbar, and they'd break, and so here's what I would do. I would stand on the beach and look and watch a few guys out in the water and see what they were doing and see how bad the current was pulling and see how the waves were breaking. And then in my mind, begin to imagine how I was going to shred them. You can laugh a little more. I was pretty good. I was okay. So I was a pretty good surfer. And so I would go out in the water like everybody else. And so here I am in the water, and, and the current sometimes would be pretty strong. So if you're not careful, you end up drifting out of the lineup. So you have to know what you're doing and you have to stay focused on where you're headed. And so that means sometimes going way north of where you want to end up once you get out. Because getting out in itself when the waves are good can be difficult because they're pounding you in the, in the break zone. So the waves are pounding you and then you get pushed further south if the wind and the current are drifting that way. And so you figure everything out and I look at the waves, see what's happening, and then plot my course to get out and paddle out. Paddling out. in in strong conditions in itself is a pretty significant skill. So you get out in the water and waves come in sets. So part of what you're doing is just sitting on the board waiting and looking. If you're not paying attention while you're waiting for a set of waves to come and trying to get yourself into position A in the lineup, if you're not careful, you drift completely out of the lineup. You're, you, you did all the work to get out there, and you paddle, and you're sitting there, and you forget. You may be talking to one of your buddies. The next thing you know, you see waves breaking there, and guys taking off on them, and you're out. It's no fun. You miss completely. So one of the things you have to do when you're in the water and if there's a decent current, even though you're sitting in the zone to catch the wave, you've got to keep paddling. So there you are, lying on your board. You're paddling, paddling, paddling lightly, not heavily. And, uh, oh, yes, you get tired. One gets tired paddling. That is a case. So there I am, a skinny little 16-year-old kid, and I'm out in the water, and I'm getting pounded, but I'm paddling, and I'm trying to stay in the lineup. Sometimes, if you're not paying attention, and you drift out of the lineup, you look, and you see your buddies catching good waves to the north of you, and you go, and the waves aren't breaking very well where you are, so this is what you have to do. You have to take a sorry little wave, get it to sometimes even paddling to get yourself to the beach, get in the beach, get your board and walk back out to where the waves in front of the lineup and paddle out and do it again. So there's all this business about staying focused and staying clear and paddling to avoid drift. Now, we don't want to be drifting it's just no fun. And then here's another thing about waves like that. Here's what waves like that do. They, they expose the kooks. That's what we were not nice. When I was 16, we said bad things about people in the water who couldn't surf well. We called them kooks. Now, here's what a kook does. A kook is paddling, not in control of their board. They're in the lineup, getting pushed south, but they're in the lineup right in front of you. You go to drop in on a wave, and boom, there's somebody that doesn't know what they're doing right in front of you. They're completely lost. So we weren't weren't ugly to them, but we said things about them without them hearing us. (laughs) I'm just telling you. So what usually happened to those guys, they drifted out and couldn't, didn't have enough skill to stay in the lineup if the current was strong. They just simply, the, the, the conditions took care of them for us. <laughs> there's another person who was, we didn't call them kooks, they were just jerks. And that person was a person, if I'm paddling like crazy, I get a wave coming, I'm sitting, here comes a set and there's a set coming and I'm in the perfect position A for the wave. And I'm goofy footed, which means my right foot's forward in St. Augustine Beach. If I'm south of the pier, I'm going even further south. If I'm facing the wave like this and it's breaking, and I'm in the coup, I mean, the the jerk takes off on you. See what I'm saying? So I'm flying down the wave, and some guy's paddling right here in my way. I've got the great spot on the wave. He's he's on the shoulder of the wave, and he takes off on me. That no es bueno either. (laughs) So if you're not careful, not only do you drift, you hit people. If they take off on you, which is their fault, but if they're not paying careful attention, they they take off on you. So you got to stay clear and focused and have a great time. If not, all of the standing on the beach watching, thinking it through, what I hope would happen, doesn't happen, and we don't have as much fun. (laughs) And the whole point of surfing was fun, but we're more serious. Drift. Drift is really important. I had no idea what Nick Lee was going to say. Did you catch what he said? All the things going on around him in his life drag him. He drifts. He said, if we're not careful here in school, we'll drift. And what he meant was, and what he said so clearly was, we'll drift from what's the most important thing, which is his relationship with Jesus. And you heard him talking about a real relationship with Jesus and real relationship with his peeps. Did you hear him say it? My friends, we meet together. He talked about that. He talked about one of his buddies being baptized. So a real relationship with Jesus and a real relationship with people leads to transformation. And friends, we're at a crossroads and we're headed forward. It's just that simple. That's what we're going to do. When McLean introduced that, the idea of the crossroads, I just felt she said something else I want you to be aware of. This is unbelievably special for you and for me at this time in this family of faith that we get to be a part of this. We get to be a part of doing something not many folks get to do. This is really awesome. This is something else. And I don't mean awesome. I do mean awesome. It is awesome. I mean, I'm just like this about it all. But it's awesome because of what we're doing and we're not going to drift. It's about real relationships and it's about real transformation. And that's what all of this is going to help us make happen and continue to help us make happen. And that's what this is about. Here's the problem. If we don't stay focused, if you in your personal life, if we as a church family, if you in your business, you in your family, if you don't stay focused on the vision, on the mission, on the DNA, you drift. And you end up somewhere you really weren't planning on being. And it might not be a bad thing, but it might. It might be a bad thing, but it's not what you said you were supposed to be doing. And we we want to make sure we don't drift away. You've got to keep paddling. You've got to keep going. The conditions could be kind of easy. The current could be, however, very strong. It could be a northeaster. The waves could be great, but it might be really difficult to get into the lineup. Who knows? But you and I do not want to be able, we do not want to in our individual lives and in our family life here, we don't want to drift. And we ain't going to and we're not. But we're going to pay attention and talk about who we are and what we do and why we do it. And why do we do it? Because we believe that Jesus Christ is real and real relationship with him and each other leads to real transformation and we are in the transformation business. And ain't that great to be clear? It's really fantastic to be clear. It's just our way of saying what every church family is about. That's what that little slogan is. Those four words, real relationship, real transformation. It's just our way of saying who it is that we think we are, and then it helps guide us. That's sort of the way, that's the gate that we keep having to make sure, does this what we're doing get us through that gate? Over and over and over again, we just keep paddling, get back into the lineup, wait for the next set of really good ways, position yourself and go over and over and over again. So yeah, we're headed forward. That's what we're gonna keep doing. There's a a lie. There's a lie in our culture. There are lots of lies in every culture. That's nothing new. I don't know how many cultures have there been. Millions. Thousands and thousands of different cultures. But one of the lies in our culture right now, if you'll let me be sort of philosophical for a minute. In the West, there's a lie. And the lie says that I am on my own. And oh, by the way, so are you each one of you individually on your own to figure out who you are and what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it and why. The lie says, I have to do it myself. When I use the following terms, you don't like it. So I'm going to say it and then tell you the new way I'm saying it. When I say to you, we suffer from a lie and the lie is based on radical autonomous individualism. Everybody starts throwing rotten fruit at me when I say those words, but you you don't like that. I get it, because it's too heavy. Here's what you can get to: me, myself, and I. Think about it. And you you didn't you didn't say I'm gonna make my life about me. It just is sort of part of the infrastructure of the furniture of our culture and how we look at the world. It's me, 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 me. And I'm not being judgmental here. I'm being descriptive. I am I'm right there. And here's another important thing for you to understand about that. What happened with Christian people is we took the Father and we took the Son and we took the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, and we stuck me in there in the sense of my experience. Truth, what I'm supposed to do, why I'm supposed to do it, how I'm supposed to do it, gets redefined by me saying how I feel about it, what I want. That's, what's, that's how I make my decisions. And of course, I'm not saying our, our own personal desires and experiences aren't important, but me, myself, and I, is a, that's like, it's awful. If I am on my, on my own to figure it all out, I've got to decide who I am. I've got to decide what I'm supposed to be doing. I've got to decide why I'm supposed to be doing it. I, I don't want to do that. And the Bible is clear. God visions us. God tells us who we are. We are made by God. Page one. We are made in God's image. You, don't, you can't make that up for yourself. Three, we are made God's partners in the world. God has put in, entrusted us with his stuff, relationships and stuff, and says, go and use it for the purposes that I have planned for you. And so instead of me and what I can figure out and hope I figure out, I say, okay, here all, here's all this stuff that I am, and God, I'm going to use it for what you have visioned me to do. You've purposed me. You've missioned me. And that's how, we don't, that's how we avoid drift. It's a really tough thing in our world. It's a really hard thing. And I would invite you to say, how am I making my decision about what my mission and purpose is? And I would invite you to think about today's message and when we, by the time we finish, you're going to have some guideline. And you're going to say, how have my gifts, my talents, my ability, my job, my family, my friends, how can I aim that in a direction that's, that's helping me to be a part of what God's trying to do in the world? That's the goal today. God loves us. God made us. He chose us. He picked us. He wants us to be his partners. He, he has sacrificed his son for us. The cross is empty for us. It's not about me. And it's not about you, but I automatically default, me, myself, and I. It's just how I do it. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And it's just not true. It's just not the, uh, that's just not what the universe is about. The universe is about Jesus who gives us purpose. He has missioned you. And guess what? When we pay attention to his mission and keep paddling, we don't drift out of the lineup. We stay in the game. And that's what we're doing here. And we, have, we, we are going to, we're going to do this thing, this new building, and all the other things are going on with it. But it's about staying focused on the real relationship with Jesus, real relationship with each other, and enjoying watching each other's life change. That's what this is all about. And that's how we're going forward. And it's just tremendous. It's just a tremendous thing what's been happening. which started in 2018 this project of wrestling with as a family, deciding to sell and move and build and all the things that we've been doing, driven by the desire to stay focused on our faith and being on God's team doing the work that God wants us to do as a church family. (laughs) Personally, I believe every church family needs to be doing what God wants them to do. And I want every church family to succeed. And, And by that, I mean, stay on the course, don't drift. I want every church to do it. And who out there doesn't need to be a part of a church family. Who, who is it that you know that doesn't need to be about a church family that's clear about its mission and vision and DNA? Everybody I know needs to be a part of one. They just do because we all need to be loved by God and we all need to be purposed by God and we all need each other. No one doesn't need it. So it, the, the, it, it, it's, a, it's a growth business we're in. Look out there. Lots of folks you care about don't know that they're loved by God and aren't enjoying kind of the, the fun of being a part of a church family that's really, that's doing real life together. And that's what we are, just regular people trying to figure out how to be God's people with the gifts and talents and abilities that God gives us. How can I use who I am, God, to make real relationships happen for you? It's a great question, a powerful question. If, but if we don't ask it, next thing you know, we'll be down the beach. But you know what? If that happens, we just walk into the beach, paddle in if you have to, walk back down and go right back out in the middle of the action. It's it's just not all that hard to do. So God has blessed us. God gives us stuff to do. God missions us. You have a part to play in this. Certainly. You, you and I need to continue to choose to be a pe- people that follow Jesus. And if you haven't made a decision in your life that you're certain about to be a Jesus follower, I'd invite you to just think about it and maybe test a couple of people around the room and, and, and just, or somebody else you know who's a Jesus follower and just, just keep asking questions. There's no pressure. There's no rush. But we, we have our part to play, each one of us individually, and then everybody else who's in the room has a part to play in the sense that you, you do your part, and I help you do your part, and you help me do my part. But guess what? God's doing the big part. God does the heavy lifting. I have my part. You have your part. God does everything. And you and I are just happy to be able to participate. And we get empowered, as we're going to learn in a minute, we get empowered by God and God being present. <clears throat> So we're going forward. We put the forward logo. No, not yet. Not quite. (laughs) No worries. We put put this logo on top of the building. Dina did it. It's fantastic. And this is is who we are. This is who we are all about. So let's do this. We're going to look at a passage. And this passage helps us to see how the very first followers of Jesus waited patiently in order to be missioned, empowered by God the Spirit, and sent on God's mission. So here we go. This is the book of Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 8. So let me just give you a couple of kind of things about the book of Acts. You ready? The book of Acts, see it says A-C-T-S. It means things, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. It means stuff the apostles did. You with me? That's what that word means. Proxes in Greek, it means acts, and apostolone means of the apostles. So Proxase apostolon is the title of the book. And so this is a record of some of the things that some of the apostles did. But what you need to understand is a guy named Luke, he wrote one book, and you know it as the Gospel of Luke, but he wasn't finished, and he on purpose wasn't finished. So he writes a second book. They're both about the same length. This has 28 chapters. Acts does Luke. The Gospel has 24 And so scroll, he ran out of paper and finished Luke chapter 24 and got him another scroll and started on Acts chapter one. So Luke is writing this and Luke is a participant about chapter 16 of of the book of Acts. Luke uses, instead of they, he uses the personal pronoun, we. He's writing about stuff actually when he's traveling with the great apostle Paul. So it's both what the stuff he had collected as well as his own personal experience itself, you know, so that's what's going on here. So Here he is introducing the book of Acts, and he's telling this person, Theophilus, some of what he's about to tell him. So look carefully. My former book, meaning the gospel of Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, and he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, 40 days, kingdom of God. Now we go on to verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Kind of pause there. If we we could do it on the screen and we can't, we'd paragraph. Now look at their response. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? I'd like to point out to you that has nothing to do with what he was saying in the previous couple of lines. But that's okay. We'll come back. Now verse 7. He takes them back to the subject, which is God, the Holy Spirit, and the promise and the kingdom of God. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And now verse 8, this is what we are, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, going forward. This is real relationship, real transformation. Memorize this first. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So that, my friends, is our marching order. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But I want to go back and say a couple of things about the the previous two slides. Let's jump back to the first slide just for a second. I mentioned that Luke wrote it. I mentioned it's just like the Gospel of Luke, except it's about what happened after Jesus' resurrection. And I want to point out that there in the middle on the third line coming down is the word, the Holy Spirit. So in Christian thinking, we talk about God being three persons, one essence, what have you, and we have this doctrine, we call it the Trinity. And so God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Let me invite you to think that God the Spirit is the presence of God, and it's not three, three different beings, and one of them is not subservient to the other. It's, it's very complicated, but, but we're just talking about God. Okay, God is present in the world. And we, we are saying that God has taken up residence in some new and powerful way because of the resurrection. That's what Luke is trying to communicate. That's what Jesus himself is trying to c- communicate. So I wanted you to see that, that the spirit gets introduced there and we see the spirit showing up a couple again. But it, it, the last three words, kingdom of God, what Jesus is trying to do is help people stay focused keep going forward, not drift off. And what's that about? It's about God is present now because of the resurrection in the spirit and that the whole point is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is about having it all be right again. All relationships are right again. Relationships that we have in with ourselves, relationships with each other, relationship with God. The kingdom of God is a place where it's all put back together. And Jesus is trying to say, the work of my presence... That is the spirit, me being present, is putting it all back together again. And the first big, huge task has been accomplished, death has been defeated. And now I'm putting all things right. That's what he means when he's talking about the kingdom of God. So we jump for a couple of things I want to point out. And what was the second slide I wanted you to see on one occasion while he was eating with them, Imagine being one of the men or women that were hanging out with Jesus for the 40 days after his resurrection. They're just just doing time together. They're just hanging out, eating. So what this is trying to tell us is he was hanging out with his people and they had meals. I'm going to suggest to you maybe even parties. We were told about three weeks ago that we should have more parties. I'm all for it. So Jesus is being with his people And he's talking with them. And then he gives them this. He says, okay, this is something that's really important to you. Don't leave yet. He he probably could sense that they're ready to go tell people. He said, don't go yet. Wait. When you're sitting in the lineup, you keep paddling to stay in the good spot. But you're waiting because the waves come and sets. You have to wait. And he's saying, wait, because I'm going to crash into your life and into the world The Spirit is going to come on you in a new way. Wait. Don't leave. I promised you I was going to do it, and now we're going to do it. Don't leave Jerusalem. But the promise that we made, and he he takes the Holy Spirit again. He says, you're going to be baptized with it, which means washed. It means empowered. It means overrun. It means filled. It means all of those kinds of things. All good. That's what he says. And then look at what they do. They get it wrong. Here's what their question really meant. Does this mean now you're going to kick the Romans out of here and we get it all back again? In other words, they had a picture of what they thought the future was supposed to look like, a template, and they imposed it on Jesus, and they read everything about what he was saying through that template. They didn't hear a word he said about the Spirit and about the kingdom. They wanted a chariot in every driveway. They wanted wanted their, their economic and military and social and religious restoration, and they were only thinking about themselves. Israel. They couldn't see past it. And here's the point. God's way of making things right again, God's kingdom is way bigger. It's going to be way bigger and way better than anything you and I could ever imagine. So, so he said to them, uh, verse, verse six, they're wrong. And then he said to them, no, it's not for you to know. You don't need to go. Why? And you don't need to know when, but here's what you need to know. I'm coming into your life in a new way in the spirit, and you're going to be my witnesses. And then we get a geography lesson here. This is like the table of contents. You're going to be in Jerusalem. You're going to be in Judea, which is sort of the Jerusalem city. Judea is sort of the state that Jerusalem is in. And then the next state north, with which is Samaria, and then all the way to the end of the earth. Their question, are you going to restore Israel? He says way more than Israel. He says the whole planet. The kingdom of God is where rights is all relationships, and it's Every culture, every race, every person, every language, everybody, everybody, every single human being on the planet made by God, purposed by God, and given the chance to be in a right relationship with God. And that's what Jesus meant. And He said to you and to me, You're going forward. Forward is where we go. Now we, we have this unbelievable building. And McLean, you're so right. How many with such a treasure to be able to be a part of this? It's very moving for me. Here's, here's what's happening: we're building this new building, and I, everybody wants to know when are we getting in it, right? Isn't that what you want to know? He's going to talk about the building. When do we get in it? Well, I don't know when we're getting in it. But that's not fully the case. We think we're going to be able to get into it and use it Christmas Eve. But that could change. It's okay. God is big. He's been around a long time, and if we don't get in then, we'll, we'll be fine. It's going to be fine. We're going to be fine. It'll be a hassle, but we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's our plan right now. The dates suggest that we can get the room ready. It'll still be part pardon our dust, and we'll have a grand opening in January. But, man, cool stuff. Here's why. From beginning to end, design of this space has been about real relationship and real transformation. I promise you, when those folks that are designing it sit and meet, and they meet every single Thursday morning at 10 o'clock, they've been sacrificial. And they're thinking through the principles of how all of this can make us able to do more stuff with each other. There's a lot of flexibility in that space. What's happening here is there's a big lobby. It's gonna be fantastic. You know what's it's gonna be fantastic? because there's one thing people don't have in our culture that they need, connection with each other. And that's going to be a place where we can hang out and people who are new can have a cup of coffee and there are going to be comfortable chairs and desks to sign up for stuff with computers and all. But all of that's going to be happening over there. And then the people with kids, here's how they're going to get in. And your kids are going to come in here and have a blast like they already do. This place is crawling with kids and we're going to have more. And they can sing and dance together in this big room and then they're going to go into their small group rooms. That's what all of this is going to become. Back over here, rooms upstairs for meetings. Like people can sit and have groups. They're going to look like living rooms, some of them. Like, like where couches and stuff like that. And you can go and have your groups up there. Or if you're working on a task, task groups. But downstairs, coffee, food, whatever. Multi-purpose though. You could have a banquet right on the other side of this wall. And you could, if you are, Kathy is the chaplain of the Plant High School volleyball team. And they rent spaces to have banquets. They could have it here. Is that cool or what? Forward. It's about real It's real transformation. The space has been designed with flexibility. Go, Go further into the sanctuary. Here's what I want you to know about that. Here's what I want you to know about the sanctuary. It's 37 feet tall in the middle. And when you go in there, you're gonna sense, the design is not ostentatious but we want it to have this timeliness and this attractiveness that draws you and me into the transcendence of God. Space matters. Now, God is transcendent, and you can go outside and look up, and, but when you're in that room, I think you're going to feel like this room is helping me have a real relationship with God because the room is going to draw us to Jesus. We're going to do the music, and we got an ADL and all that kind of stuff, but the room, but the room is also flexible. There's nothing attached to the floor. Why? Because there's lots of ways to use space that are totally, appropriately redemptive and in service to being real relationship with God and with, with, with each other, but we can move things around like we can in here because these chairs are all going to go and kids will be running around on the floor, you know? So what, it's, you know, I am so excited about this new building. And here's what I want you to understand. Keep paddling. Keep paddling because you're going to be an Acts chapter 1, verse 8 church family. We are individually and together. And what that says, go and be my witnesses. And it said in there in Jerusalem, which is hometown, in Judea and Samaria, and to the whole point. Here's what I want you to be a witness in your zip code. So we're going to be witnesses in our zip codes, where we live with our families, where we work in our jobs, where we play with our friends, recreation. If you're a student, where you're in school. And also, so those are arenas where you and I are being called to be Acts chapter one, verse eight people go real relationship, real transformation. It's a forward direction and we keep paddling. We will not drift. We're not going to drift. And if we do drift, we'll come back and walk out and get back out in front of the lineup and go back out again. One of the things that I say a lot of times when we finish worship and you may not know I do it. It's intentional. This is what I say. I say, go out there and get amongst them. You ever hear, remember me saying that? You know why? Because I've been reading Acts chapter 1, verse 8 for a long time. It's not an accident that I say those words, and I really mean them. It's just my way of saying it. Get out there and get amongst them, loving them, caring about them. Who do you know that doesn't need a real relationship and real transformation? Everybody. And it's to the ends of the earth, says Jesus. That's how we're going about it. The band is going to come up, I'm going to pray, and then we're and we're going to sing one more song and then I'm going to remind you of something at the end of it. Allow me to pray as the band comes forward. Gracious God, we thank you that there are no spectators everybody plays. Everyone is in a real relationship. Everyone is real is in the process of being transformed by you. All of us have a part to play in being your witnesses in our workplaces, in our homes, with our friends, where we recreate, in, in our schools. Every one of us. That's our job. And that's not a job we made up for ourselves. It's one you missioned us. You visioned us. And we are not going to drift. We don't want to drift. We're going to keep paddling. And gracious God, thank you that You've blessed this particular family of people with this unbelievable opportunity and privilege and challenge to build this new space so that people can have real relationships and experience real transformation. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. Thank you for excitement. Thank you for challenge. Thank you for hard work. Thank you for sacrificial giving. Thank you for the unbelievable gifts and talents that have gone into and continue to go into what it means to be Acts chapter 1, verse 8 family of Jesus. Amen. Let me invite you to stand and Lindsay's going to lead us in one more song.
1: your body and your blood is shed for me. This is how I fight my battle. I'll find my battles, oh this is out. This is how I'll find my battles. This is how I'll find my battles. This is how I'll find my battles. Oh this is how. follow me so my weapons are praise and thanksgiving this is how i fight my how I find my battles this is how I find my battles oh this is how yeah. this is how I find my battles this is how I find my battles this is how I find my battles oh this is how yeah. oh this is how we fight we pray you, Jesus, oh Lord. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by You. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm sur. Come on, do you believe that? It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by You. Surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, Lord. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is how, this is how I pray. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is how. This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battles Oh, this is how, yeah This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battles Oh, this is
4: how, yeah. Normally This is where I'd say, get out there and get amongst them, wouldn't I? you're not going to do that yet because some of you know and remember that we're having a congregational meeting right now if you are a member of the church and you're willing to stay I hope you will because we're going to do some really cool stuff it's a six or eight minute meeting we're electing some people to serve as the leaders of the church for the next three years Brooks Cunningham is the chair of the committee He's making a recommendation so he's coming forward now that meeting is going to start in approximately three minutes if you are going to stay your kids are okay they're with Rachel and she knows it if you're not staying and you have kids you can go get them now if you're not if you're not a member and but you're want to stay you're welcome to stay you can't vote but uh but you're welcome to stay and see a little bit of presbyterian representative representative democracy and happen so if you have to leave now you know what i want to say get out there and get amongst them but i hope that you will stay right now and see this fantastic slate of people who have been who are getting nominated to serve us as their leaders. so the meeting is going to start at 12 in two minutes that's 120 seconds Come on now, this ain't gonna hurt you. It's gonna be awesome. You're not gonna believe these unbelievable people who are gonna stay uh, who are gonna serve in this session. Baxter, don't let them leave. Our meeting starts in one minute. Hey Roger, Roger, are there are there people coming in that I need to wait for? Thank you for waiting. We're going to start in just a few seconds. It, yeah, thirty two. 32 is my number. Kristen, Connor, is there anybody coming in from the hallway? A few people? I see Rick. If I could... If I could have you folks, if I could have you folks take a seat, if I could have you folks take a seat and um, not talk anymore, (laughs) what's the chances they're they're having too much fun, Brooks? They're not listening to me. It's getting louder. It's going to get tough. If I could get your attention, I don't have a gavel. (laughs) Would you, yeah, would you? Thank you. (laughs) Friends, I'm going to call this meeting of the First Presbyterian Church Congregational Meeting, I call it to order, if I could, and I'm going to do so uh, by giving a prayer. We thank you, gracious God, that you have missioned us, purposed us, you empower us, You make us your people where we live, where we work, where we play, where we go to school. You make us your your people here in our church family. And you want us to engage everything we have and everything we are. We want to be available to you. So we're headed forward. We're headed forward to help people become related rightly to you and to each other and watch everybody's lives change all to the glory of you and your presence. So that's what we're here to do today. Nothing more, but certainly nothing less. In the name of Jesus, the enthroned King of the universe. Amen. So, friends,
5: this is.